Gaming MBS, episode 200, coming to you Wednesday, July, that's not the 11th, is it the 11th? The 18th, 2018. Alrighty then, if you are new to the show, this is Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I am Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. If this is your first episode, glad to have you on board. Episode 200, man. Pretty cool. 200. 200. 200. 200. And if we're going to have an episode 200, like, you know, some sort of a milestone type of thing, that means we've got to have a guest on, right? you got to get the guy that probably has one of the only green coats that we award for being <laughs> on the show the most amount of times. He's the only guy willing to come on here and not expect any money, complete charity right off. Yeah, I think, it's, I think this falls under his uh, court-ordered uh, community service, so it helps. <laughs> that's right, that's right. No, I, I should get a level prize. You should, absolutely. we got to do that. We should keep track. This, If you haven't recognized the very brief statement, that's Alex Kammer from Gamehole Con and Gamehole Publishing. Hello, everyone. And, uh, guys, this is it's pretty sweet that it worked out that I can be on episode 200. I've been on, gosh, maybe four or five other ones over the years. And, <laughs> I think uh, so, yeah, at least. Yeah, so this is pretty sweet. So I'm honored, and, and thank you. <clears throat> we were thinking of getting you a T-shirt because I know you don't get enough free swag T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The T-shirt's drowning in them. But, yes, no, that would be cool. I mean, uh, you know, the uh, – I. Uh, if the if it's a cool T-shirt, I always tell people, "Hey man, if it's cool, I'll wear it." And so I'm now running around with a, a Storm Bunny Studio T-shirt all the time because I dig the logo. Um, that guy, uh, he he did a nice job with his logo. So I'm trying to try to rep it as much as I can. Very cool. Yeah. Well, we'll lead off with a small with a small announcement first. Obviously, we've got <clears throat> my little gaming convention, Evercon, in Central Wisconsin, uh, January four, five, and six is coming up. So our event submissions are open. And uh, we're going to try to sweet-talk Alex to get him back up there to run some games for us. He had a good time last year, and we loved having him. So hopefully I can twist Alex's arm and get him back. <laughs> easy sell, easy sell. I think I'm uh, you know, 99% in, so you can put pencil me in. Awesome. And we've got, there's, a, there's an indoor water park across from where the convention center is, so he's, he's got a place to, <laughs> to stash little kids in case they get bored with us. That's right. That's great. So, obviously, we want to talk about, if we've got Alex here, we've got to ask him what the latest is for GameHole Con 2018. So, I know event submissions are open, badge, t- badge sales are open. Um, obviously, you probably am going to ask you a numbers question, and you're going to be like, you jackass, I don't know what the numbers are. How, how are the sales and things looking? you got a lot coming? It's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, as you guys know, you've been with us, Sean, you've been for, since uh, year one, and, and Brett, you came year two, and have been mm-hmm. uh, staunch supporters ever since, and so you've seen the growth. And it just continues unabated. Uh, we've been in that 35 to 40% growth rate every year, and the early numbers are like that again. Wow. Uh, we're way up on, uh, as of, you know, whatever we are, January, uh, excuse me, July uh, uh, 13, 14, wherever we are, mid, mid-July, we're way up uh, where we were this time last year. So we're already cresting 1,000 badges, which is nuts. Um, you know, so that puts us on pace uh, easily for that 4,000 range, which we kind of thought might happen, but, yeah, it's going to happen. Um, so yeah, it's great. We're, uh, the, uh, games list is up. We're keep getting new games in all the time. I keep getting, uh, games from guests who were just 
late and you know like I just put in a game from Satine Phoenix the other day she just she's been traveling and I have a few more people like that so you got to keep on top of the games list it uh, it, it changes every day uh, but uh, the VIG badge holders are going to be uh, registering next weekend uh, next Saturday is when they they'll do their their uh, their game selection awesome. and, and then a month from that the uh, the everyone else will uh, make their selections so uh, a lot of stuff happening uh, great time to buy a badge and uh, yeah we have we have uh, about 2,500 individual gaming events so far uh, so we'll probably get close to that 3,000 mark which is just insane for a a bunch of knuckleheads who sit around a game uh, play once a week and we decide to run a show and here we are trying to put this thing together it's just is just it's crazy um, but uh, fortunately Josh and Royce and Andrew and all the guys do such a great job helping uh, and we get it all together and it seems to make sense every year so here we are I got one question for you around the badges when we talked about VIG I, th- I remember a conversation with you obviously you know last couple of years we've talked about this thing but as the as the con grows do you see like the whole vig thing like exploding to meet your new numbers or are you looking to keep the vigs kind of in a um at a, what i would call a reasonable level do you seem to have it pretty well hit you know it's one of those things where from an outsider perspective if i don't get the vig i don't want to feel like i didn't do that so i don't get anything cool man this sucks i didn't get there you know? yeah that's the problem that's the problem uh, so what we do is even with the vig you're only allowed to get two what we designate special events. Uh, so that way, the VIG badges badge holders can't come through and clean out all the all the awesome games. There will be good special event games that uh, remain for everyone else. That's that's the most important thing. So that's what drives the math for us. Is uh, do we have? Can we can we add a few more VIG badges? But will that upset this balance, which is very important to us? Uh, so yeah, we we check it every year. Uh, this year, I think we added 20. So it's it's going to so of the two options, I think you that was B. Uh, the uh, we're, we're going to keep it very much under control. Uh, that's going to be a small select group. Um, you know, gosh, we could make we could make money, I guess, if we wanted to instead of you know breaking even every year. But uh, <laughs> if we sold a bunch more, but uh, that's all right. That's not the goal anyway. So uh, no, it's just a, it's also the VIG is supposed to be for people who are real fanatics who. Uh, who who just you know love it so much and they're you know they they want want to get the the uh, first crack at games and they uh, and they're usually people who have been because we allow them to be renewed people who have VIG badges for years and uh, we want to keep that going for them because they've been the cornerstone of our show supporting us for all that time makes sense no it totally makes sense and that balance <clears throat> excuse me I think I think that balance is key right because you don't again you don't want to become the show that if you're not quote unquote special enough all the cool stuff is gone and I think you guys have done a really good job trying to maintain that balance and it's obviously somebody somewhere is going to be like they don't think it's balanced enough one way or the other but you know I, I think you're doing a damn fine job with it so it's well, not I, easy I appreciate that you know and there's, there's it's just the universal fact that you cannot make everyone happy despite your best efforts and we really bend over backwards to try to make sure everyone's happy but you know the, that person who really wanted a vig badge and they sold out in 11 seconds and they didn't get one shoot you know and i'm sorry and i i, I wish that they could get one because they were there at noon you know back in uh in in mid-june uh ready to pounce on that you know submit button and they did and they just the interwebs wouldn't have it i guess and uh and they didn't get one, and I'm sorry for that. But uh, you know, it just we only we have to keep the numbers down, or else again, as as you mentioned, it'll they, we we don't want to have the whole show be VIGs or or half the people don't get good good games, and that's that's nonsense. We can't do that. 
Absolutely. The other question I had for you, and I just remembered this because my my two little kids came last year and they had a freaking blast. So the first thing they said was, can we go next year and can we go every day? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think I could get them there every day because they still have school and stuff, but they're going to be there for at least two to three days. So the kids track thing that seemed to go off really well last year, I'm assuming it's back again. It's back and it's a lot bigger. It went, it went smashingly well. Uh, It was so well received and well attended. First of all, that was the key that that people actually uh, brought little ones. And uh, you know, this is for ages six through 12. Um, and that's kind of a tricky thing because it's it's not daycare. It's not a drop off your kids. Hey, I'm going to go check out the con. Uh, it's it's for parents who want to game with their kids and kind of you have to be there, uh, not not necessarily in the game, but you have to sort of be present. Um, so uh, so the, these kids can play. They're they're all vetted GMs and DMs. So we we do our part to make sure that we have responsible people running the games. Uh, first of all, people that have the appropriate backgrounds, let's put it that way, and uh, that have experience. Uh, playing running games for kids and uh, the publishers love it of course I mean I I showed uh, Merle's and Lindsay and those guys from Wizards last year I said hey come this way guys just check this out and there's this whole space of kids playing D&D and they said holy shit this is fantastic we need to get more involved with this so that's what's happening we have uh, we have a lot more publisher support this year we're gonna have great swag for the kids and uh, we have a uh, they'll have their own dedicated space a hall, um, and they're going to be sharing that with Dorkstock, with uh, John Kavalik and uh, his his fun stuff that he's doing. So they'll have we'll have more tables of it. So absolutely, the answer is yes. We'll still have the free paint and take. Uh, we have some other cool uh, kid things, kid centric things that are free, free activities. So uh, absolutely, my hey, you know, I have kids that are six and ten, and they talk about uh, GameOlcon not every day, but almost every day. It's right there, probably you know, right behind Christmas as far as their favorite time of year. Uh, so they love it, and uh, I, I, we do everything we can to make sure that kids that age have awesome things to do at our show. Very cool, Sean. Do you have any questions for him? I don't, but I also, but I wanted to point out one thing that a couple listeners and fans of Gamehole Con are going to be putting on. One such event is by Edwin Nagy and Corey Welch, which is the Gatsby and the Great Race event. Uh, so, <clears throat> without giving uh, away tons of spoilers, this event or kind of event people go to cons for, as it can't be done properly with your home group. So take a look at the event schedule for that particular one. Um, It's going to be Jay Gatsby's decadent 1930s blowout using 7th edition Call of Cthulhu. (laughs) So this one is, I think there are multiple, like there is a group putting this on. So it's not a, hey, we're going to run this one event, and Edwin's going to play, you know, run one, and Corey's going to run another it's, uh, I think, a, a big collaboration be- amongst those guys. Very cool. Yeah, it's true. I've, I've seen that event, and I've talked to Corey a bunch about it, and uh, they're all fired up about it. So I think it's going to be – I think that's one definitely to check out. Uh, and, that, again, that's not a special event. No. You know, quote, unquote. That is – that is. we have – there are tons of just awesome games that, uh, that you guys have put in and so many others that uh, people can play in uh, that aren't – run by you know someone who's on tv and that's okay <laughs> you know uh and so there's there's there are there are so many good games to be had um but you know i'm thrilled with the the guests we do have uh, it's it's cool i mean i wasn't even planning on having steve jackson come back this year but he emailed me and said alex can i come back and you know what was i going to say no you know obviously <laughs> i'm sorry mr jackson you <laughs> yeah. we can't what? Yeah we, yeah. we could come up with a stipulation if you'd like, Alex. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this you, you're going to have a chance to – folks who come this year are going to have a chance to just literally touch just about any corner of the industry when it comes to, you know, have, getting Eric Lang is a big deal this year. And, 
um, you know, because he's he's probably the hottest guy in board games right now. And um, we have the whole Avalon Hill team that's coming out, led by Shelley Mazenoble. So the uh, Betrayal Legacy drops that weekend, and uh, Rob Daviau, the designer, is going to be with us uh, that weekend. So you can run a game that releases that weekend with the designer uh you know, play it. I mean, and that's that's pretty sweet. So uh, again, there's just so much goodness in that games list. I uh, it's, a, it's a con I w- really wish I could go to. <laughs> which is which is the point, right? You want to run the thing that you want to be at. I suppose. That's, I suppose. But yeah. I'd love to play. I'd love to. Yeah. So I'm going to play in one game. I did. I did selfishly create an event this year. Good man. Um, yep. That I get to play in, and that is uh, Mer- Mike Merles is running a game in the game hole. Uh, on Thursday night of the show. So what we're going to do is we'll take a shuttle. The people who buy a ticket to this game will take a shuttle over to the game hole, uh, which is above the the Freehouse Pub, which I own, and we will um, food and beverage everyone. And then Mike is going to run a game in the game hole, and the players get to play, and I get to play along, and it'll be fun. So oh, I'm, my I'm, God. I'm that's awesome. To, that should be super fun. That'll be great. And that's that. That all goes for Extra Life. So we have a, we're doing we're doing stuff for World Builders and Extra Life uh, this year. And uh, our streaming games are are back and and more of them. Last year we had two. We had a Friday night game and a Saturday night game. But this year, D and D Beyond is coming in force, and they're going to stream two full days of of live events. And uh, so we'll have six streaming games. Uh, Maze Arcana, the AL admins are going to run a game. Uh, Stefan Pocorni is going to run a game. Uh, Chris Perkins, Mike Merles, so all for Extra Life, uh, and we raised a ton of money for them last year, and uh, so psyched to be able to do that again this year. Awesome. That is really cool. I love the fact that you're able to carve out a game time, because that means you're gaming, and you can't be bothered. You can actually like, mute the phone. Right, maybe, maybe right. For, like, right, right, right. For, for that couple hours, you, you're like stuck somewhere with a beard in your hand. Hey, guys, I'd love to help, but I just, I'm yeah. busy. I got, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there for the guests. Can't help you. Sorry. Handle it on your own. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So there you go. That's sort of the, the skinny on Gamehole Con at, uh, in uh, mid-July. So, Alex, did you mention something about Adventures League that you wanted to point out? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So those who are uh, Adventure League folks, the Wizards did us the honor of uh, giving us the, the, well, allowed us to pick a corner of the realms that we wanted to develop for our, our, on our own exclusively and write content for it. So I fell back with Ed Greenwood and we talked about it and we had a list of 10 different spots in the realms and we winnowed it down and winnowed it down. Finally, we arrived and landed on the Border Kingdoms, which is, uh, if you're looking at the at the Forgotten Realms map, it's um, east and a little bit south. It's on the, the uh, uh, Shining Sea. Um, it's near... Uh, um, it, it's Anyway, it's, it's, it's quite east, but not, you know, all the way to... Um, the, the the far east stuff. Uh, anyway, it's very um, it's it's temperate, it's chaotic, it's it's got all the kind of elements that are great for adventuring. And we have eleven uh, adventures that we are authoring that we're rolling out for Adventure League uh, this this show. And a bunch of the admins are writing stuff, and uh, I just finished mine. Uh, so really cool content, and we actually have a special. Um, an epic that uh, Sean Merwin wrote, uh, and actually is writing right now, that'll be set in the Border Kingdom. So it's pretty sweet. Um, so people will be able to play uh, stuff that you literally cannot play any, at, a, at any other convention. Uh, you can only play Border Kingdom stuff at our show, um, which is pretty cool. And uh, that's all coming together very nicely. And uh, so the, the AL Hall will be massive again. We'll, we'll have the largest AL Hall in the country again this year. Um, which is just insane. I mean, it's. I, I was at Origins and I looked at it and I'm like, wow, we are a lot bigger than that, uh, which is nuts because Origins is a pretty big show. <laughs> well, thank you. 
uh, and uh, bigger than Gen Con, which is crazy too. So, uh, yay! But uh, anyway, so the, the if you are an Adventure League person, the, the, our show is is pretty awesome. We have, and then Wizards is going to give us, I think, three season eight premieres, uh, and then the D and D Open, Red War. Uh, there'll be the the uh, the season eight epic. I mean, all kinds of stuff. So uh, you just simply cannot play it all. It's impossible, even with a full four day con. That's awesome. So, yeah. is there anything else? Like, do you have any more guests that you're potentially announcing in the next week or two? We do, we do, but I can't say who they are oh. because we ha- I have that was part of the deal. Yeah. But uh, I do have two very well-known folks um, who are uh, one is very firmly committed. The other is is I think committed as well. Uh, it's just a matter of timing as to when, when we when they give us the green light to announce it. I'd love to announce it right now, but uh, I, I gave my word that I wouldn't. So, yeah. So stay tuned. We'll have some more uh, awesome games hitting the games list, and which will upset everyone who so carefully crafted their wish list. And like, oh damn it, Cammer, <laughs> making me crazy. That's just not my doing. I'm not trying to. I wish everyone had their games to me. You know. Brett, you can you would love to have your full show set right now, right? Oh, that wouldn't would that be, be awesome. Yes, but um, but people people tend not to do that. No, that's not the way it works. I wish everything were lined up on April first, but uh, that's not the way it goes. So uh, yeah, uh, well, especially I'm, when you're talking special guests, right? I mean, these men and women they've got different careers and things that they're doing, right? They've got day jobs and events and things that they go to, and they've got to look at their schedule and say, "Wow, it's in November. Sure, sounds good in April." But come July, things actually start to get real, <laughs> and, yeah. they, and, they, yeah. and those schedules in November start to get firmed up. So, yeah, ah, yeah. a lot yeah. of work. So, yeah. Ooh. Well, if you want to know what's going on at Gamehole Con, uh, what ways, so this big announcement coming up uh, for those guests once they're confirmed, where will they find out when those come about? Probably fastest would be our Facebook page, our two Facebook page. We have the GameholeCon community page, uh, General Gaming Discussions called, and then we have our our main page. Uh, we'll make sure that they splash there immediately. They'll follow with uh, our e-newsletter, so if everyone who um, is a past attendee or has an account on our site has a valid email, they'll get an email, and that'll list these new folks who are coming. Uh, that We send those out once a month. Um, yeah, and then uh, Twitter, too. Twitter, if you follow us on Twitter, that'll social media basically. It'll be Facebook and Twitter immediately as soon as they're announced, and thereafter, uh, and of course the website too. Well, that'll update quickly to our special guest page. You can always check there uh, to see. Um, like for example, I just added uh, the Double Clicks are doing a show at our at our con on uh, Friday night, I believe, if I'm recalling correctly. So they're going to do a, they're going to come out, come and uh, do a do a, a jam for us, which is which is pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah. Wow. It just, yeah. It just keeps on the madness, man. I just, it just is kind of try to keep the arms around it is, is becoming more and more of a challenge. <laughs> at some point I'm, I'm waiting. I, I mean, you guys, you guys have enough volunteers usually. I'm pretty sure you guys have to turn people away if I recall correctly, but it's, um, it's, it's well run enough. I think you've, you guys have so far managed to keep your arms around it pretty damn well. And, um, you've got a decent quality. Um, when it comes to everything that you've that you've set up and everything you're trying to do, so again, you know, we're kind of fawning on you here, Alex. But no, it, no, no, it, no, it's, no. it's really right, good stuff, it. man. It's really good. I, I appreciate that. It's it's uh, you know, the, it's the key is advanced preparation. It'd it'd be nice to be able to throw down like a ninja smoke ball and bam, awesome show appears, and that's just not the way it goes. It's just it's pretty much a year round effort, and uh, you know that because we all have full time jobs, all the guys and I uh, and families and lives and other things, we can't 
we can't you know put shut it down the rest of our lives for two months put the show together and then have it it's 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 a couple hours every week kind of thing and that's that's the way it works um so i'm thrilled that it's gone so well as it has so far and uh yeah so far so good um you know we can handle this size i just i worry if we ever get to ten thousand or something like that and then we may have to make take some steps to to try to formally slow it down at that point but uh, that's that's a few years away fortunately cool sean we good man we are, um, and then I want one other thing I wanted to bring up. I wanted to thank Derek Pennycuff for the list of destinations for Brett to hit on his way to QCC. Yes, did you see to, that list? <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, Alex, I'm going to a Queen City Conquest. It's in Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. A bunch of uh, friends of Sean and I, they run the gaming convention out there, the guys from Mistracted Mark. and uh, Actually, Sean Merwin's usually out there, too, so I get to hang out with Sean. And um, anyway, so I'm driving out there with Susan and my two little ones, and Sean last last show was like, hey, if you got any crazy-ass weird places, Brett should stop between here and Buffalo. So I have a list now as long as my arm of, <laughs> of random weird things that I need to see on my drive. So thank you, Derek. <laughs> I kind of hesitate to show that to my kids because they're going to want to see all of those things. <sighs> yeah. Well, let's get into the main topic, shall we? Let's go. Brett. Well, Sean and I have been talking periodically. It's one of those perennial topics we get about metagaming. And I know it's one of the things uh, Alex and I have had a couple conversations, you know, off and on at the bar um, when we accidentally bump into you when uh, J- when Joe Swick happens to be in town. I'm like, oh my God, here's Alex. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I was curious. Sean and I throw our ideas and our, and our thoughts around what metagaming is, how it's defined. And what pieces and parts about it drive us bananas? And uh, I want to see what Alex thought, and if he has any strong opinions around metagaming. Well, guess what I do. <laughs> I, I kind of figured you did. I do indeed. Yeah, metagaming is um, it's a it's a challenge. It's a real problem. Uh, it's one of the uh, bigger, I think, um, um, fun killers, potential fun killers in, in RPGs, certainly. Uh, and it's it's a and the, the the insidious problem with it is that the DM or GM or keeper can only do so much. It really is uh, incumbent upon everyone to do their best not to metagame, um, and that's the and that's the that's the challenge. So you have to everyone has to be uh, have the same goal because the problem is you know we've all played in those games and I've done this fairly recently where you uh, there's there's a um, a sidebar where there's an encounter about to happen. Everyone, all right. Let's figure out who can let's maximize what everyone can do in the right order, and so it basically comes down to more like a tactical miniatures game than a role playing game. And you know, again, if that's the way you want to play, that's great. But I guess I'm not. I'm I'm more of a, I try to be a, a more immersive. Um, you know, what would my character really do under this circumstance, kind of player, uh, and DM than uh, than trying to uh, maximize what abilities that the class has. Um, so when you see metagaming, you're <clears throat> excuse me. The way you define metagaming, then Alex, is you'd be like, look, if it's stepping outside, realizing playing it as a game, as a board game, or playing it as that miniatures war game, <clears throat> type of perspective, instead of seeing it from the character's eyes or from that perspective, and using all of that outside knowledge to impact what your character does. Is that what you're thinking? Exactly. It's it's the it's the your you as the player know what kind of monster this is, or what kind of scenario this is, or what kind of potentially what trap it is 
um, but there's no way your character could or should. Uh, that's where you know you have to check yourself if you really want to be a good gamer, in my opinion. Um, you know, and you can do things. You know, as a DM, I, uh, I I try not to do too much of this, but you can take a player aside and do a true sidebar kind of thing. You know, step out of the room and say, "Here's what you see, and here's what happens." Um, Note passing, you know, I, I, that's that's cool. Like especially, I'm running two two annihilation for the guys right now, and there are as I think you, I don't know if you guys have gone through that or read it at least. Um, the the, uh, the it's it's at a point in the dungeon, the characters have spirit uh, deity ride-alongs, and they are whispering advice to the players, and they're they're very much informed by their the, that god's alignment, so they can be reckless, or they can be um, juvenile, or they can be greedy, and uh, I don't speak out that advice to that particular player. I hand them a note and say, your god is telling you to do this. Push that button, you know, or whatever. Um, <clears throat> okay. And and so, and then the way I, I, I then run that is that if you are uh, if you are doing, if you're playing your character, as you should under the circumstances, and as and you're following the dictates of the of your 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 personality and uh, you know your your character type, uh, you know I award inspiration, and then you can bank those, and especially in a deadly dungeon, that is well, literally a life and death kind of thing. And so my guys, they they're they're doing they do a great job. We've been playing together for 15 or 20 years now, so we 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 really try not to to metagame uh, in any in any stretch. But it's 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 uh, it's still it still can happen. It's hard when you know. Um, you know, in, you, when you're when you've been playing as long as we have, uh, what most of the monsters are, and you that you see the telltale signs, but there's no way your first level or second level character should know, and that's a really tough thing to, to remember to to be in the moment of your character, not as as Alex Cammer, the player. No, I hear you. And I've actually the group I'm with I've been playing with for Christ since 1991, so we've been together for quite a while, and it, it creeps up periodically, and it's like a thing you can't help. You know, I'll be running a game and bring out a critter, and someone's like, "Oh my God, that's a uh, Caterwall from Fiendfolio. It's uh, it has this power. Somebody somewhere is the encyclopedia, and they remember it. You know, and it's like it's neat that they remember the thing, but as a game master, you just kind of you feel the the piss being taken directly out of your <laughs> encounter. You're like, oh, thanks, Dick. <laughs> look what you look what you did. You just ruined it for everybody. Sometimes it's it's neat when somebody recognizes something, or you, I'll I'll have the 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 thing appear if if we're talking monsters and the character the players will be like oh I think I know what that is oh I can't say uh-huh. yeah. and that type of response is I think interesting because then I get the I get the feeling of oh I hit the for that for this group of old jaded gamers I hit the nostalgia button appropriately so like oh wow this is neat but I'm gonna be a good guy and I'm not gonna wreck it for anybody else who might not remember what this thing is yeah as long as the players are uh are directing their play through the lens of what would my character do based on this character's background his or her knowledge skill expertise what would he or she do then you know great have at it that's that's gaming man but uh when you're when you're the what would the, what would the 48 year old you know 30 year D&D veteran how would he approach this you know that's a different question and that and one that's much less interesting you know that used to be I'm going to say this first, I'll ask a different question. So I know that used to be a thing back in the day. It was player skill, right? It was how did you, at least when I when I read the histories and how people used to play and so forth, it was the character was, the character sheet was a vehicle for me to get things done. But you did, and I had guys I used to play with who were like this. It was my job as the player 
to overcome the challenge, and I just happen to have a 18 strength to whack monsters with. But if I run across a trap or whatever, you'd have that player who was really good at puzzles figure it out, even though the character had like the 12 in- intelligence or the 9 intelligence or the 3 <laughs> intelligence or whatever it was. And that was considered a good player at one point. And I know by some groups it's actually still considered pretty good, which goes to your point of if that's how you like to play, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's – the anytime you have a tournament kind of uh, setup with uh, win conditions, that's what you're going to get. I mean, Ah, right? that's a good point. Yeah, if you've got a win condition and it's on the line that I can either get the trophy or not, and I could – Hit jerk and say, "Well, my character doesn't know what a doesn't know what a goblin can do, so I just sat back and let us die." You know, that's yeah, that's good. That, that's like the the classic, uh, you know, the old D and D open at Gen Con, uh, and they run a version of that now at Gary Con. Uh, that's there's your character is absolutely just a tool. You know, that's just a that's just a means, and that's fine too. Uh, but you know, again, it depends what your goal is. To, uh, if you're trying to have an immersive role player, trying to do something else, and uh, uh, so in some games. Uh, you know, I, I, I was in a group very recently uh, that, and they were, God, they were meta playing so much, uh, and it, I finally, I finally had to bow out <laughs> because it just is really not my, <laughs> just not my style of play. So when you run in, you run pre-published stuff. You, you mentioned like you know uh, Tomb of Annihilation. I know Sean's actually running Tomb of Annihilation right now. Some yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick your brain on that eventually, Alex. It's hey, I love it. I think it's really fun. It's uh, I've played most of the wizard stuff, and I think it's really really well done uh that mechanic that i was describing actually i don't mean a name drop here but i had lunch with chris perkins at origins and i told him I'm like man he, the reason that i think that most um uh gaming groups get to level 10 or 11 or something like that or and stop they, they're sick of playing their characters right they want to reload mm-hmm. and do something else well tomb of annihilation you essentially get kind of a new character because you get this personality template overlay that oh, is okay. sort of forced on you at about eighth and ninth level, and it everyone is different then, and it's really energizing, and it's we've had a blast with it. My guys are very much role playing role players, and so uh, it's been really fun to see. Especially, it just has worked out that the that the guy who tends to be very cautious uh, and 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 sneaky. Uh, gets, I wonder who that is. Do you yeah, know who that yeah, is? Yeah. Do you know who that who is? Gets, who gets? Yeah, exactly. Am I Andrew? That's, I totally really Andrew. really could oh, that be so Andrew? Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah, that's any one of those. But uh, the uh, they got uh, well, Andrew. He got the uh, the grung god, so he had to be extremely greedy. So he has to go for every every shiny thing, and that's never he would ever be that way. That's awesome. Uh, so it's really fun to do that. So anyway, that's that's why I really I highly recommend that that uh, that adventure. I think it's really fun, and uh, um, that's my been my favorite so far. So one of the things I have, Sean, and we're talking about this before you you got on, and. Um, like a Storm King's Thunder and Out of the Abyss and so on. I, I jokingly say, you know, it says basically, you know, you're going to fight some giants and, hey, here comes Demogorgon. It says it right on the outside of the tin, right? I mean, you look at some of these adventures and you, when you tell your group, I'm going to play, you know, the, the search for Tharzadun or I'm going to play, you know, the Deep Ones Rising in this Call of Cthulhu game. Guess what? You, it, it's goofy to me sometimes, when, um, and I don't know if you do this or not, but sometimes I, I wonder, not goofy, but sometimes I wonder, should I never tell the players what the name of the adventure is simply because it kind of pushes you in a direction, right? So if you're playing, if you're a Call of Cthulhu fan, Deep Ones are these horrible, evil, fish-human, hybrid-y, nasty things that live forever underwater. And if you tell people, hey, you're a Cthulhu fan, you're going to be playing a game called Deep Ones Rising, 
you know, it, it's really hard for as a player to constantly remind yourself that my character doesn't know what that is. My character doesn't know what it is because it said so right in a fucking box, you know. Exactly. Well, I mean, it, the the other the other the, what the other when you were saying that, what I was thinking of. Gosh, if I'm playing Deep Ones Rising, I know that's coming. Maybe I will I will um, uh, uh, create a character who has a. Uh, a background in uh, oceanography or or whatever you know uh and that's the thing about uh hey we're playing storm king's thunder it's really that 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 lends itself to certain character classes which again is what I, one thing i really like about tomb of annihilation because you start out in the jungles of chult and so we had some of the guys built pretty nice uh jungly characters well it doesn't do a goddamn bit of good once you're in the dungeon uh, and uh, so there are a couple couple of just really useless character classes as a result. Uh, so that's why I let them know, hey, we're going to be starting in the jungle. So build whatever you want. And so yeah, like the it was, it was pretty funny. Um, so there are a couple of couple of characters who are uh, who are who are, who are struggling a little. Um, you're you're, you're have that horse mounted cavalier who suddenly um, <laughs> it's a it's a freaking jungle, dude. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, the exhaustion rules of it, which I cannot wait to implement on those guys that are wearing chainmail and heavier armor. Oh yeah, you want to wear that in the jungle? That's cool. So Alex, I'm hearing you say your answer to that is like, look, if it says you know, here comes Demogorgon on the cover, and oh yeah, Tiamat Rising. Guess what? The, here there be dragons. Is make the character, or if it's like Deep Ones Rising, to your point, is make a character that if I slip. I'm putting words in your mouth here, so correct me where I'm wrong. But if I slip a little bit, or I want to have a character that lends itself to this adventure that we're going after, so that way it is easier for me as a player to avoid the metagaming because I've got kind of a foot in the right areas. Yep, that's that's one way. It's also really fun to say, hey, we're going to start a new campaign. I'm not sure what I'm going to run yet. Let's create characters. And then... Bam! Here's what we're gonna play. Um, that's that also is a, the other way. But uh, yeah, I mean it is it is uh, when it, especially uh, with the the longer um, campaigns with uh, the the D and D stuff with the published D and D stuff. You know those if you're gonna play the 14th or 15th level, uh, you know as a player and as a DM, I want to I want the players to be enjoy their characters the entire time. So I I I don't try you know play hide the ball and say hey here's the here's what we're gonna play. And uh, so they can come up with something that uh, um, fits the the uh, the scenario. It's just funny that Tomb of Annihilation <laughs> is hard to do that with because of the of the you know first several uh, first uh, seven or eight levels of uh, really hot insect bitey terrible pestilent jungle, and then into the Tomb of Horrors essentially. Um, man, you know that's there. There's just not a character class that has that kind of range. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Have you ever run into a point with to to do the metagaming thing again? Have you ever run into a point where it's been you see it being valuable, right? I mean, granted, we, we've talked a little bit like the style of play, but even the style of play you have um, that you that you enjoy, are there pieces of it that you like or that you don't mind? Because there's it's kind of like there's metagaming, then there's metagaming. You know, is there is there a level of it that you think is a little more tolerable for in at least to your palate? I think with uh, if it's a real puzzle heavy thing. Um, you know, you just you made the point of the if you have the the character with the low int, um, you know, does that person then bow out of the of the attempt to to solve the puzzle? You know, yeah, no, I don't think so. That's probably taken a little too far. Uh, to to collaborative working collaboratively um, and thinking together as as a group. That's also kind of the point why we do it in the first place. Um, so 
you know, I, I think that there's not it's not a bright line thing. I, I think metagaming is is a classic of a example of you'll know it when you see it, <laughs> where you're like, okay, that's too much. We're really just this is all table talk. We're 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 trying to break down what's what could be happening and not really experiencing what's happening. That's 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 what metagaming is for me. Because I know some folks will um will get. I've had I've had gamers get pissy when they're at the table and you've got that one person like okay here's what we're gonna do when we, we you know you, the minis are out right especially mm. for me when you lay the minis on the table sometimes in Brett's experience that kind of flips a metagaming switch on some people where it becomes a board game or a miniatures war game because the miniatures are on the table and because of that they want to be the most tactically advantageous <clears throat> you know player at the table and then you get that person who kind of vacillates between metagaming bizarrely tactically trying to sort things out and then telling everybody else what they should be doing too, which is like a problem in and of itself. But uh-huh. <clears throat> when, when you guys game, do you tend to use miniatures and, and map it out? And does that metagaming thing hit you heavy in combat or? No, I'm a theater of the mind guy. I'm too, okay. uh, I have, you know, I have, we have, I have a ton of minis and there, there are times, you know, like a really complicated set piece battle where there's a lot of stuff going on that, I think is 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 unfair to to put on the players to um, for, for them to remember where everything is in especially complicated and I'll call it a battlefield, but it's not obviously whatever the whatever's happening. Then I'll uh, uh, then I even go to Dwarven Forged, you know, and do that. Uh, or you know, that you can still you know do do all those things too. But yeah, I think you're you know I, I'm with you on that though. The sort of the if you're the, the players who want to use minis for the whole way, uh, organized play. You know, there's some a lot of players who want to have minis. You know, you know, tromping down every every corridor. Um, that that does lend itself to you know. Well, let's put the meat shield in front. Let's put the the sneaky person that can get uh, backstab in an advantageous position all the time, and uh, you know, move forward. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It just is just a different style of play. I've got a couple guys in my home group that are big. They they like Warhammer 40k and Warhammer Fantasy Battle, so they they like that shit. And then when well, I like it too, so I shouldn't say shit, but they like that stuff, <laughs> right? So it's I, I like it to a point, but I get a little bored with it. But when we do play um, certain, like we've got a side D and D game going where my buddy Alpha's running um, uh, Temple, uh, right? The temple of Elemental Evil, the newer one. <clears throat> so what the two of the main guys who can only make it to that game and can't make it to the other game that will that will run. Um, they're really heavy minis, dudes, and they love that stuff. So it's on grids, and everything's mapped out, and they really, really like that. And <clears throat> it's a change of pace because it's it's t- a totally different gaming style. Because I've gone much more theater of the mind, back, kind of back to my roots in that in that space, which I I really prefer. But for these for this uh, subset of my gaming crew, they really like that. So it's kind of it, it's fun periodically to pull that out and then kind of dust off my tactical brain to say, okay, this five foot square will get me closer to my sneak attack or whatever it happens to be. So I, like you say, it's kind of de- depends how you want to play. And if you're <clears throat> willing as a player to put yourself into that space, because as you said, if you're playing with a group that was so hardcore crazy and you had to bow out, you know, obviously just too much. Didn't want to, didn't want to take that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, there was also the the problem with the, the one person trying to be, being the caller all the time, you know, uh, okay, you go there, you do that, and all that. It's, it's less like, a it's less a caller. I mean, the caller was supposed to say, "Hey, the group wants to do X," and it's kind of like the commander or the order master or something right. like right. the armchair general telling you, "Alex, you go there, Sean, go there," and this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but 
you know, at the end of the day, different strokes, I guess. I, I'm with the more I play D and D, the more I uh, just go back to the way I always played it with Fifth Edition rules. I love Fifth Edition, uh, but I play uh, uh, Theater of the Mind, and it, even with the AL stuff that I write, and if I run it at a con, um, you know, I explain that up front. You know, this is going to be this is how we're doing it. Uh, what I will occasionally do is I have a, a spiral notebook of um, graph paper, and I'll draw the map as we go just so they can see it, uh, but not with miniatures, because I think that if, if, if I'm going to run, a, if play a miniature game, I need to think ahead of time to to make a good miniatures game, because you have to think tactically, more tactically than two, as far as where you're going to put the monsters so they can take advantage of their tactical advantages. So if you're not prepared to run a tactical miniatures game, and you're going to run a Theater of the Mind one, and you're, that you're, for some reason you're forced to run a miniatures game, I don't think it's a good experience, because you just won't be, won't be able to put up a good enough challenge. And uh, that's why I don't do it unless I'm prepared to. Uh, because again, it's, I just don't think it's going to be fun for the players if they're expecting... Um, a, a real, real tactical opponents. You know, I gotta, I gotta prepare that way. That makes sense. Um, Sean, when you're running, jump to you for a sec. With your Tomb of Annihilation, are you doing it Theater of the Mind, or are you doing it with minis? How are you, how are you? Don't do Theater of the Mind, my man. Yeah, I'm done with minis. I mean, it might be, it might. I mean, I might buy, I might have like a set piece where I bust them out for one encounter, but. Um, I have no intentions because I have a butt ton of D&D miniatures, and if I get into that mode, then it's time to prepare for the adventure. Oh, and I got to get the map kind of written out. Oh, and I got to go get the miniatures. But not only just the miniatures, I have to get the right ones. Like, I can't just get the monster that's like, hey, this is this. Yeah, these kobolds are actually goblins. It's okay. Right. You're not going to do that. Yeah, no, no, I can't. Uh, that's, I can't do that. <clears throat> no. that's, just not, that's just not right, Brett. That's not cricket at uh, all. What kind of example would I be setting for some of our listeners? <laughs> it's just not right. It's wrong. It's no. wrong. I mean, you can do that. I think I, uh, like Merle's just put out a video of his little pack of that he likes to do a gaming. And, I, you know, it's very simple. It fits in like a pack that's literally the size of a, the regular iPads. Oh, okay. And he uses po- like those pogs, like for monsters, and then he has flats that puts in the little stands for miniatures, and he uses those. Those are really convenient. Makes um, sense. So I get the pragmatic approach to them, but uh, me, yeah, miniatures, I gotta go digging, and well, that could yeah, take a while. Yeah, well, you've seen that's the reason my miniatures are organized the way they are. You know, I can find, I can put my hand on immediately. Oh, I need, I need. Uh, 25 goblin minis bang for that very reason because it makes me crazy otherwise to have yeah. a pile and uh, i'm the same way if i'm going to run miniatures they're going to be perfect you know i want them to all the monsters to be represented exactly as they're and as well as closely as they are in the actual copy too you know if uh if there are certain types of goblin or orc or whatever you know so i yeah i'm the same way man i just it was too much chasing <laughs> Yeah. Every every session, I have to go, you know, scour the internet to find that one grell that was, you know, in the right posture. You know, like, oh god, this is making me crazy. Yeah. Now, Alex, well, yeah. I know you. I know you play more than just D and D, and when when you get a chance to and whatnot, are there certain? <clears throat> so you have experience with a wide variety of different game systems and mechanics and so on. Um, one of the things that I, I've been wondering about, and this hits me periodically while I'm while I'm just thinking, is that are there. To me, certain game systems like and it's always fun to pick on Pathfinder or uh, or 4EB where it's crunchy or very square driven. Um, to me, some of those kind of 
the way I like to play, and when I when I encounter that game system, Pathfinder makes me quote unquote think more metagamey from that tactical perspective. Are there other game systems that you've encountered that you don't like as much because it kind of brings out the, your inner metagamer? Is there anything that you've run into? Yeah, I think you've yeah, I think you nailed the main one right there. Um, <laughs> that's the big offender in my my mind too. I think yeah, you go from you know Pathfinder, you know four E. Two on the other other spectrum of you know any any one of the BRP games, Call of Cthulhu or whatever. Um, so I I uh, yeah I'm I'm very much on the the BR, BRP side of things uh, now. Um, there's I don't know of any uh, other at least a game that I've had a lot of experience with that is crunchy like Pathfinder and 4E was. I don't I don't think I, I can't think of any. I mean I've played a lot of Savage Worlds and certainly a lot of Call of Cthulhu. Um, so yes. Savage Worlds has it has all its bennies and different components to it. And Sean, I touched have touched on this before. Is I I have had some some players in my group say that they feel that some of the extra kit pieces, like the the, the chips and the the flips and the cards and so forth, they think that brings out a metagaming component hmm. for some reason for them. Again, it's kind of how they roll type of thing. But they're looking at the table saying, well, if I've got five chips and I know that there's kind of a you know a benny economy, I've got to keep going here. So they start doing things in their perspective. They start doing certain things in order to keep that Benny economy flowing or to keep the cards flipping <laughs> in certain games. So they feel like that's a metagamey type of thing, and they don't like that for some reason. Then, well, I mean, if you're going to compare it to uh, a, a, a BRP game, you know, sure. It's, is it more metagaming than that? Yeah, but on the, on, the, on the continuum, I don't think it's... I wouldn't call it a metagaming type system. I, I think, uh, you know, I, we play it a lot. Josh always runs it for us. He's... Uh, He's a big uh, Weird War Two guy. And, oh, okay. Uh, so we actually we have a we're doing something fun at Gen Con. Uh, just our group. We're playing. We're gonna do. We have a. We took a, a, a private space for nine hours, and we're gonna run four different two-hour games in different systems. Um, so I'll be the D and D guy. Josh will do Savage Worlds, um, and we'll have a couple others. You know, and uh, so uh, I'm actually looking forward to that. We're picking up. We haven't played that for a while, and it'd be fun to pick up. I think we're in Poland, as I'm recalling correctly. But uh, I, w- the way, at least the way Josh runs it and the way we play it, it's very, it's 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 very role play, role play. Definitely, it's not metagaming at all. Uh, I think some of when you said the way we played it, it calls to mind. You know, when you talk about the types of encounters, and when you talked about Tomb of Annihilation with the different, even if <clears throat> with that mechanical component of another spirit or another life or these gods talking to you. I think those types of encounters where it's, you know, acting, it's something that's asking you as the player how your character is acting, right? It's kind of causing the player to take a look at that character and say, what would they do given this situation versus, you know, just to go back to the the grid thing saying, oh my god, it's a new monster. Oh, that's a... That's a pangolin, which is the weird flying head vampire thing with the guts that pop out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what that is. You know, instead of doing that piece... You know, I think monsters we often lean on as being like the obvious metagamey thing. When you pull out the new monster and some jackass tells you, oh, it's a gelatinous cube, I know what that is. Um, but when you throw something at the players and say, hey, this is happening to you, like you say, you pass that note over, and poor <laughs> poor Andrew's got to look at it and go, fuck, no, I'm greedy. I don't want to be greedy. Ah, crap. I, I need to do this. So I'm kind of I'm acting as character because this is the thing I'm being, you know, I'm I'm getting a chance to do this. So I think those... So the encounters and the style of gaming that you do really 
does help either drive out the metagaming demon, if you will. So I think what you're saying there makes total sense. You know, and uh, the another uh, sort of interesting subset of all this is if you think about the hobby of where where it stands, and you know, the, I'm saying now specifically role playing games, and probably the large part of that being D and D. How does the the rise of streaming games affect this discussion and the hobby as a whole? Because what you're seeing. Uh, and uh, I I don't I don't watch Critical Role. Uh, you know I know what I've and I've seen. I've actually went and watched uh, Chris run uh, part of Acquisitions Incorporated, and I thought it was fine. You know it's not it's not for me exactly, but you know I get why people really think it's great. What it is though is very much character focused. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and, you're and, absolutely right. And, and, and often to the to the detriment of the game. Quite frankly, it goes too far the other way. In my just from my my personal taste, and so this is I probably shouldn't even. Who cares what I think? But uh, it, it. Oh, uh, Alex, we care. Oh, I, I, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have. Asked, I wouldn't yeah, have asked you if I did. We care. If I didn't give a <laughs> shit, if, if I didn't give a shit, I wouldn't have asked you. Dude, well, so. no, I appreciate that. But the, but uh, but the but so I guess though what I, my the point I was trying to make though and so artlessly is that uh, I believe that new players are coming in more and more being interested in really having character-driven adventures uh, because of what they see on YouTube. And yeah, because if you come up with that and you're like, wow, the, my vampires are Twilight vampires, how come yours don't sparkle, right? My D&D is the D&D I learned from watching Critical Role or, you know, whatever, and how come it's not... You, you just have miniatures and you're grinding away. I don't understand. You know, yeah, I you, get guys, it. you guys are totally welcome. By the way, for the topic for episode two hundred one, streaming games, how it's impacting the hobby. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, Thank now you. I okay. don't have That's to good. ask Brett what we're talking about in the next episode and have him go derp. <laughs> I don't know. Thanks, thanks, Sean. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. love Sorry, you too, man. brother. It was kind of like a derp, not really. I don't. I do not. I've only watched bits and pieces of those, but. I will, I will listen to certain actual play podcasts. I've I've done them, and those are kind of fun if they're if they're done right. But it's um, a very specific type of done right, and it's kind of as you said about metagaming. I, I know it when I hear it or see it. But generally speaking, I will, as goofy as it sounds, <laughs> my wife has been with me while I've been running D and D, and my kids will sit and watch me run D and D for my friends. They'll hang out and watch, and they think like being next to it is fun. Right, so if I was in, if I was in the game hole and you were running, I was sitting behind Josh and Alex and the boys, and you guys were having a hoot. It would be fun to be in the presence of that thing as a spectator, but removing myself even further, sitting back at my desk with a beer, watching it on my uh, on my Mac, I'm like, eh, that just doesn't interest me. Well, and the, you know, and for me, I guess personally, the, those games become much more improv than they do, you know, hard gaming. You know, and I don't mean to be such a Grognard, but uh, that's that's the that's where I kind of that's the stepping off point for me. Um, but the the reality is, in, in Wizards, uh, you know, I've heard this from all the guys. The, we have now passed that point of uh, you know D and D. We all learned because we had some nerd friend who said, "Hey, you want to play this game?" That's how this this hobby has grown over the last thirty years. Until today, now the most common entrant to D and D and role playing is through Critical Role, Saving Throw, Maze Arcana, whatever. Yeah. Uh, watched watching it on TV and say, "Hey, that looks like a shitload of fun. I want to do that." We are now there are more D and D players being created now that way than our way, the older way, uh, which is really interesting. It's a it's a fast and it's having you know that's why we're seeing such explosive growth of D and D. It's just uh, so many people are getting into it because of the of the 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 stars in the hobby we have real stars um now and, yeah you've uh, got what was it i i can't 
when I was listening to a thing that Ken, uh, Ken Height and Robin Laws were talking about, and Ken's like, you know, if 10 years ago you'd have told me that Matt Mercer could walk across the floor at, you know, PAX East and stop traffic, mm-hmm. he's like, I would have said, what, one, who the fuck is that? And two, what do you, what do you mean? What, he, he plays D&D online? Are you crazy? And he's like, oh, my God, I saw it. It really freaking happens type of thing. And yeah. uh, it is it is crazy to think that you have people who are you know we have professionally charming people as Matt Coble would say who who do really good really good work kind of for the hobby but you're right that's drawing a lot of people in and, and I think it's good informing I, I, informing their style of play or what their expect what yeah. their expectation yeah. of the play is and I didn't want for a second sound like that I'm poo pooing that or think ah that's terrible you should learn the old fashioned way no I think it's it's great and there's some you know, but it's just I think it does it will have there are sequala of course and that is. Um, and that's, I think, to, to be determined to some extent. But uh, we see it certainly with um, Adventure League play in our show, which is, tends to skew at least somewhat younger, but not not, not across the board. Um, a lot of very, uh, you know, they really want to have a more theatrical experience with their character, which is great. And I think it's cool. And I think it's a, it's quite frankly a good influence. It's it's it, it's countering. Uh, the the metagame stuff they're really true to their 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 character their character has a voice and they want to they want to they want to they want to speak in that voice and that's that's cool and i think it's it's good for the hobby very cool sean do you got anything else man i don't but that is an interesting topic i that the streaming piece because even some have um gone online about like you don't have to be a voice actor to play D D, right that's another kind of thing that's yeah, and anytime there's something good that's coming up, we go, wow, that's really cool. Critical roles help people, and wow, that's really neat. Then somebody will go, yeah, but also turned off five people I know because they thought you had to be a voice actor to play D&D. I'm like, or it's oh, intimidating of, yeah. you know, to that point. So, Which is why there's a lot of different ways to enter the hobby now, which is, I think, the cool part, right? Because if, if you saw that and thought that was really cool, or you went to a, a game hole con and played there, or you learned from your friend or your, a game club at school, the kids I'm running for at my kids' school, um, the, 90% of the ones that come up to play with me have never played before and just want to try it because they heard my kids talking about it, right? Uh, sure. So it's kind of an old-school way to approach it. Well, they're also, you know, 12 to 8 or 9 years old, so they're much younger. They're not probably, well, They probably are watching more YouTube than I am. But anyway, it's just there's, a little, there's still an old-school way to approach how you get into the hobby, but I think it's just a new door. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. I think we're good. Alex, you got anything else, brother? No, that's uh, good stuff, man. I, I like. I, I love talking to you guys about that stuff. That's cool. Just to uh, riff truly on uh, on gaming, as, as this won't come as a big shock, but it's not exactly dinner table conversation around here. <laughs> what? <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta find some some additional dinner guests. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why we have game night once a week, man. That's playing playing uh, once a week is. Uh, that's one thing I will. I will say that I've been been a really really eye opening to me uh, as someone who's been in a regular game group for so long, and and meeting literally thousands of gamers now not not only at my show but when I be, when I'm asked to be a guest at other shows how how few other people out there have continuity with the gaming group. You oh, know, you've got people have... who go to who go to GameholeCon. I, I I kid you not, even EverCon. I've got people who come to EverCon, and they have told me to my face, this is the only time. I get to play D and D all year. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm yeah, like, are nuts. you freaking kidding me? He's like, yeah, I live in Antigo. I had to drive over here because I don't have anybody to play with. You can yeah. play online. Ah, I don't like doing that. I just want to play face to face. Just can't get anybody. So I come. I'm like, holy shit, dude! Really? Yeah. Dude, this is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the. Uh, that's you know, if when you're uh, 
Brett, you're pissed off because of, uh, you know, anything from A to Z about the show and this one little detail is making nuts. Like, ah, what am I, why am I here at 11 p.m., you know, staring at my laptop trying to sort this stupid goddamn thing out? Well, it's, it's really, you know, I know it sounds a little corny, but it's really good for the hobby uh, that we have good shows for people to go to, to get to have a chance to get back in uh, and play, you know, real live action stuff with, with actual humans around a table. Uh, it's 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 civilizing uh, and it's great for our, our the it's great for the hobby and uh, hopefully you know my hope is that they'll go forth and say man that was such a great weekend I just somehow got to figure out I just got to find people to do this with more often because it can't be once a year uh, well that's all we can do I guess yeah no you're right you're right man that's the every every year I've run it and I've only run it for. Um... This will be our third year of us running it. It's been um, you've got that moment like, for God's sakes, why am I doing this? I've never wanted to do this again. And then some lady comes up and says, this is the most fun I've ever had. I didn't have a chance to ever play that game before. I'm like, what game are you talking about? Ticket to Ride. I love that game. That's my new favorite thing. I'm like, holy shit, really? But that was that was like the, the thing. And I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing. So, yeah, you're right, man. That's Those things make it worth it. Absolutely. Cool, Sean. I think we should let Alex go. He's probably got bit stuff to do, being a very busy man and all. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna get some kids to bed. Then I'm going to try to. I'd like it to get a thousand words done. I have my uh, third module at my five E series for Gamble Publishing coming out in uh, at the show in November. That's when it releases. Then it hits distribution after that. But man, I'm a little behind, so I gotta get some of that written here uh, before July evaporates. So I don't really. So I'm not too far behind. I still have not gotten you to sign my other my the first two I did. I keep I have them with me. I keep forgetting to bring them when I see you. So I'm going to bring them to GameholeCon. You're going to sign them because they're really freaking good, dude. So I'm looking forward to the third one. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I gosh, you know, it's really. I don't mean to extend this. I know you guys are trying to get out of here too, but stepping out there with writing as I'm essentially a professional writer as a lawyer. I mean, I have lots of stuff published, and you know, it's I've I have all kinds of writing out there, but publishing a D and D module. And I and 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 being, I was so concerned. I was so worried about that. People thought it would suck, and I thought, oh man, what if what if it sucks? What if what, what if it sucks? That would be so terrible. Um, and fortunately, it's been well received, and it's more, been more of a relief than anything because I was really I was pretty stressed out about it. You know, when I first let it kind of escape to friends and stuff to read it, and, and uh, because I would have shut it down then if they said, you know, Alex is just not very good. I was like, all right. Fuck it, I'll do something else. Um, but uh, fortunately, it's been well received, and I've been hired by other people to write books and stuff, and uh, that that's cool. But it's uh, gosh, it's funny when you do something that you care about that much. Uh, the uh, uh, how much more uh, how much more vulnerable you are, I guess, to people's to people's uh, potential criticisms. It's a no, funny I, thing. No, yeah, absolutely. I'm working on my Avalon setting for yeah. 5e Kickstarter stuff, and I've you know give it to Sean Merwin uh, because he's working with the guys who had coded designs and stuff, and he's helping edit and look at stuff, and I'm. The first time Sean gave me feedback, I was fucking terrified. I'm uh-huh. like, Sean Merwin is going to tell me if I suck. Uh-huh. Oh, my God, this is going to hurt. And it was really good feedback, but every time he said something I don't understand, I'm like just crestfallen. Like, oh, my God, I'm terrible. Why do I even try? I should just ah, jump off a bridge, you know. So, yeah, you're right. The the passion that I think um, we you, you try to the, to put into something that you love so much is does make you vulnerable. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, anyway, boys, I appreciate it. Uh, good chat as always, and uh, congratulations on 200. Who knew? You know, uh, when uh, this, it seems like, you know, I was on probably number eight or something like that. And uh, I think so. It, you know, something like that. And 200. That's amazing. Congratulations. What a great show, and uh, you've built a really uh, loyal and and a great group of uh, listeners, and that's that's pretty awesome. So good for you guys. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Alex. Cool. All right. 
Wow. We'll let Alex go. Thanks for joining the the show. As always, Alex, we appreciate it. Um, you can find him. We'll have links into uh, the Facebook group and uh, the Twitter account for GameholeCon to find out what other possible guests could Alex round up <laughs> for a game hole con? All right. Thanks so much, Alex. Yeah, you bet, boys. Bye, man. See ya. All right. Let's get into random encounter. Let's do it. All right. Random encounter. I'll start. I usually make you start. Let me start this time. All right. So we got Steve Orlick. He emailed this in about episode 199, which is the one just ahead of this one. Uh, first off, in regard to my email on episode 198, oh my god, it's a double callback, Steve Orlick. It's like Inception, the callback. Um, all right, so <clears throat> in regard to my email on, on episode 198, I apologize to real-life farmers and laborers. I in no way meant to imply that they led humdrum lives. I was coming from a more in-game angle that... The lives of the common folk are much more ordinary than an, than an adventurer. I was using that statement to reinforce my point about events leading to character evolution. Steve, we, um, <laughs> Sean and I took a little liberty and, and poked a little fun at you there, but yes, I uh, I do realize that's what you meant. So I, if if we came across being kind of dickish about it, I apologize for just trying to have some fun. <laughs> Unfortunately, at your expense, Steve. So anyway, thank you for writing back and not dropping us because we were assholes. Anyway. As to the kind of main topic of 199, over the course of the five-year 5e homebrew campaign I recently wrapped up, I most definitely discovered what you guys were saying is true. I had asked each player to give me three to five things they'd like their character to do within the campaign. I created the story around those things and tried to make the events out of and tried to make events out of each one of those. After the campaign ended, we had session double zero, if you will. I asked what they liked, didn't like, and what I could have done better as a GM, etc. I asked them what their favorite moments were, and only a couple of those events, <laughs> events in quotes, harkening back to what you just said, were even mentioned. It was the fun, out of left field, improbable outcomes, silly happenstances kind of thing that ended up being what was remembered. I think that's what makes being a GM so challenging, but also so rewarding. Going with the flow and being able to create those moments, that's the true magic of RPGs. Keep up the BS, guys. Steve Orlick. I agree, man. I mean... Wait, obviously I agree. I think that's pretty much my whole point <laughs> to our quasi-topic there. But um, it, it is amazing how the things you remember. Um, I do recall my buddy Lenny was running a game, um, a superheroes game. And he had this distinct memory about my character. He was, remember that time when you kidnapped, when your character kind of like this weird anti-hero, I got in a weird bind and ended up like kidnapping people letting them go and whatever, and, and he's like, man, I swear to God, I thought you were going to murder the whole family. I can't believe that. And I looked at him, and I said, I have no memory of that. He goes, are you kidding me? That was like a turning point for your character. I'm like, I have, seriously I have no memory of it. And he replayed the whole <laughs> evening's events. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that totally slipped my mind. He's like, how the fuck did that slip your mind? What I remembered from that evening was something totally different. It was a bizarre little encounter I had with an NPC that just vexed me for no reason. And that was the thing I remember, this weird little guy who seemed kind of like a bizarre changeling thing. And Lenny th saw that as like a throwaway piece. He thought this family encounter thing where I took hostages would be much more memorable, but I didn't even phase me. Ah, lovely. The fun of being players. Very cool. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate you writing back in. Sean, yes, over to Steve. you, man. Steve. Email from a Sooner fan. Mm. Sean and Brett. 
early congrats on the upcoming 200th episode. I started listening to you guys a couple of years ago. Not quite sure which episode, but kind of gave up on the show. Oh, But he's back. Sooner Fan is back. Keep I remembered your advice about six months ago and started at episode one and worked my way forward. <laughs> Needless to say, I was hooked. I am about Sean's age. A dapper, a dapper thirty. You went to see thirty in hey, a hey, long. Hey, hey, hey! <clears throat> What's going on over there? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, just joking on my drink there. Sorry about that. Oh lord! Started playing as a youngster with the Holmes Basic set in the late seventies. I gamed off and on until three E was released, and I kind of lost interest in the hobby not too long after that point. After listening to your podcast and a couple of other podcasts, including Hobbs and Friends, uh, along with the OSR communities, I've decided to get back into gaming. I'm sorry, back into GMing. Very cool. I, yeah, I'm going to run a DCC funnel for my wife, niece, nephew, and my niece's boyfriend. Only my wife has ever RPG'd before. So I am introducing the other three to the hobby. It should be interesting after this long, uh, long absence from gaming. I will let you know how it goes. I really appreciate how you guys are very careful to be sensitive about other people's feelings and mental physical conditions, mental slash physical conditions. I have a mental issue I have been dealing with for about 20 years now. It makes life difficult for me in many different ways, but hopefully I can work through it enough to get going with my new group. I appreciate you guys getting the creative juices flowing in me again, and I was having a hard time choosing which game to start them off with. I was a huge Deadlands fan back in the day and thought about getting into Savage Worlds for the, for the Deadlands, but I thought I would give DCC a shot. With what I have read, what can go wrong with a GM who hasn't GM'd in almost 15 years and for noobs playing a, a level zero funnel? Sorry to drag on, but just wanted to say I love the show and that although this is the year of the Sean, could next year be the year of the Brett? Hope to hear 200 more episodes from you guys. Sooner fan. Nice. Well, I think in all, in all fairness, Sooner fan, I think um, the first... Hundred some episodes for the year of the bread. I think I gave Sean plenty of shit, so he deserves a year. He deserves a year of his own. It hurts me to say that, but he does deserve it. Maybe it's not years. Maybe it's the month of weekend centennial of... episodes of the Brett. Or oh, okay, all right. Anyway, cool. Anyways, Sooner fan, really cool that you. I. It's cool that you. You know. I, I'm positive we've had people <coughs> excuse me, that, have, that have dropped in, listened to us, listened a little bit, and said, eh, not my thing. Totally right. cool with that. Obviously, we're not for everybody, and that's absolutely fine. I really yeah, am. Yeah, some, uh, some, people, some, some people play us for um, psycho, uh, what is it? Uh, it's got like the Rorschach test. Is that what you're saying? We're like no, an inkblot? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, psychic, psycho warfare. Psychic warfare? Not psychic warfare. What am I looking for? Psyops? Psychological warfare. Psychological warfare. God, that yeah, was like much in, easier. Yeah, like in what was it in um, 
the helicopter pilot from Apocalypse Now, you know, playing right. Ride of the Valkyries type of thing. <clears throat> or they do that in. They do that in. Did they do that in Afghanistan? They did it to some of the terrorist Could factions. Have. Yeah, they they played us, hoping to drive them crazy and want to surrender. It's possible. But, I don't know. But anyway, I'll tell you what, though, Sooner fan, it is really cool that you thought about it, came back, and started at one and worked your way forward. That's, I mean, that's no small feat. You've got 200 episodes now to listen to if you were to do that. So I thank you very, very much. I'm, I'm sure I speak for Sean on that, too. It's awesome to have a listener come back and come through it. And, you know, kudos to you, man, for grabbing onto it and um, DMing. You know, grab onto those reins, give that DCC a shot. And see what you can pull out, you know, and doing it for noobs, that's just as, I mean, that's twice as cool to me, right? Get new people involved. That's always fun. It's easy to, it's easier, in my opinion, always to grab the bunch of men and women who've done it before and get them back. But you've got some people who are, uh, who are new there. So that's pretty cool. So good job. This is all about win, man. Somebody coming back to the hobby and then also introducing new folks to the hobby. Like that's just, that's, man. Good for you, dude. Seriously, that's awesome. Well, dude or dudette, uh, we don't know. Sooner fan could be a female. But nonetheless, um, it's, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's just so super awesome. It is You're very, muted. No, it just, I, yeah, I had to cough there. It is very, very cool. Oh, really cool. Yeah. yeah, like a lot of birds with one stone. All right, so where are we at? Oh, yes, Ron Bishop is next. Uh, really enjoying gaming and BS because your podcast offers something I don't see in other RPG podcasts, an analysis of tabletop RPG topics in a fun and interesting manner. Thank you, Ron. <laughs> that's, what we're, that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we fail as often as we succeed, but, hey, thank you. Uh, Ron goes on to say you've, you, you have fun but self-edited enough that you still remain focused on the topics. We've never been accused of that. Um, no. Your podcast never lose focus. We've never been accused of that either, Ron. You may be as Ron, crazy are you as we sure are. You're listen, are you listening to gaming and BS, Ron? Ron, if you hear this, if you don't hear this, Ron, you are listening to the wrong show. Oh, poor Ron. Anyway, he says you guys break the topic down the core, so you're examining fundamentals of gameplay that are applicable to most any RPG to uh, to where GMs, players, and even non gamers are engaged by the discussion. Example. My wife is an English teacher and doesn't play RPGs, but during a long drive together, she really enjoyed episode 192, Playing Gods in Your RPG. It discussed a lot of issues that were relevant to her teaching literature and inclusion in the classroom. She thoroughly enjoyed the episode. Also, my 14-year-old son is a video game player and enjoys your podcast. Oh, God. You, you told oh, him more explicit, right? <laughs> it's, he, he's, yeah, he's, he's like, Dad, we use the F word on the playground all the time. Yeah, that's true. Not that 14-year-olds hang out on playgrounds, but... Well, you never know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, he listened to several gaming BS episodes with me since we're driving another son from Kansas City and Minneapolis this summer for band. Gaming BS reminds me of a YouTube channel he follows, Mark Brown's Game Maker's Toolkit. He shared a few episodes with me. Mark Brown analyzes aspects of video games the way you guys analyze tabletop RPGs. Brown's videos episodes last 5 to 20 minutes. I recommend checking some out. There are a lot of insights that translate to tabletop RPGs, with the game designer being the game master slash dungeon master in RPGs. Below are several I've enjoyed. He produced many more, but they're a banquet of food for thought. <laughs> He's got a couple good ones out here. Um, how to keep players engaged without being evil. How game designers protect players from themselves. Our score system still relevant. How games do health. Uh, what makes a good game, good detective game, and so on. So we'll have links in the show notes to these. These are pretty good. Ron, thank you very much for sending those over. Because 15, 20 minutes on YouTube is, you know, that's nothing 
to buzz through that. And those type of topics make me want to check it out because, as you say, it would translate, I believe, very easily from the uh, computer world to the tabletop. So, All right. Oh, uh, Gaming BS is one of the few things I support on Patreon that doesn't feel like charity. Each episode feels like uh, when I used to get an issue of Dragon Magazine from the mail in the early 80s. Ron Bishop. Ron, dude, that may have been some of the highest and best praise Sean and I have had in a very long time. Um, I really hope we can continue to make you feel that way, man. So thank you. I'm, I think I'm kind of blushing right now. That was that was very flattering. Thank you very much. Brett, can, can grab that tissue over there, buddy. It's all I'm good. I'm going to have to. A little something to get my eye. A little water. A little... All right, your turn. I'm going right. to mute myself for a while. Thanks, Ron. Jared Rasher. This guy from the Gnome Stew. Regarding characters advancing and changing over time, I almost forgot to bring up 7th C 2nd Edition Advancement Rules. To pick up a new advantage or to increase a skill or stat, you have to complete a story. The story has to have a number of steps equal to the cost of the thing you want to gain or increase plus one. You come up with the first step, and then the broad strokes of how the story should end, and each time you wrap up a step, you write the next step of the story until you complete the story and get the new thing. So, if you want to pick up the empathy advantage, it might cost three points. Uh, I don't have my books, so this is a random example. You might write a four-part story where you try to get someone to fall in love with you. Step one might be introducing yourself to them. The end would be something like become close friends but realize you aren't meant to be or fall madly in love. Once you reach the end, you get the advancement you set as the goal of the story. Obviously, you can set stories like defeat the six-fingered man to get your next point in weaponry or that kind of thing as well. Uh, I really like this as a means of advancing a character, but I do still have at least one player that has a hard time thinking outside of the traditional advancement box and tends to write story advancements that are defeat another person, defeat yet another person, etc., so that it works out to be not that much different than getting XP. Hmm. You know, Jared, that reminds me... (laughs) Goofy story that that type of thing brings up. I had a, a player ages back who we used to joke with when we would play games that he always had flaws such as addicted to collecting gold. Oh god! Must kill enemies until dead. These are have to inter- col- have to collect magic items. You know, you're like these are how- these are inter- these are inter- these are equivalent to the interview question. Tell us a, a weakness of yours. <laughs> I work really hard. I just I work I, long hours. I am so damn punctual. I mean, you can't stop me from coming to work on time and working late. Oh my I'm god, o- you can't stop me. I'm overly dedicated. <laughs> that, I, I like I like what you're doing, Jared. I love that idea. You know, pick a new advantage and you pick a thing. And the the thing, hmm. When I hear that piece, and and Jared, obviously you're not here for us to talk to you, but. Part of me wants to say, man, you how do you make that one player do something? But on the flip, you want to say, does that player groove on that? Are they comfortable as a player making up other things? You know, is it a matter of, hey, how about instead of defeat another person, say, you know, defeat 
the next person without combat or adding something to it saying instead of defeat can you add a little more can you add a little more um verbosity to verbosity is not any word i don't think anyway but add some more you know verbose terms to this can you say hey you know instead of just defeat the person next enemy um you encounter you you know withhold killing blow just something that drives narration or drive story versus a simple act of defeat it's just so blase it's like saying i you know having experience for in guess investigating the next scene what the fuck does investigating the next scene mean that's just so blase however you know you could easily grab that person and jared could be like dude you got to try this and that you know man or woman gamers like yeah but i don't know it just doesn't doesn't feel comfortable for them or whatever so sometimes i think it's worth making an allowance for that one gamer that's just what they want they show up at the table you and i've talked about this sean they're silent they're at the t- well they're at the table all the oh, time yeah. right the gamer who shows up all the time is really you know they're reliable they're consistent they play their I character i don't know anybody like that. yeah you don't know anybody and if they did though if you had someone like that sean oh. you'd be happy as hell if they showed up and if they said look i just i just want regular xp you'd be like you're fucking right you do and here's 50 points man because you want to reward them for what he or she is really good at or what they they groove on so i don't know sean what do you think is this um it, it feels like it's a teaching slash hey expand your horizons opportunity well but do you want to push it you know what i mean yeah, I don't think Jared's writing in as a point of, hey, here I like this system, but I'm having this one problem. How do I solve it? No, but, it just it just makes me think about that when I when I read that piece. I'm like, right. hmm, do, would I in in Jared's place? Would I try to push on that person and say, you know, as nicely as you can, you're not doing it right. Try it this other way. Or would I say, you know what, you're having fun, man. Whatever, go for it. That's your thing, Emily. Do it. You know. Yeah, I'm too old to hold somebody by the ankles over the ledge of a building. But Brett's not. Because that's my weak arm. Oh, yeah. yeah. You've, I, seen, you've seen Commando, right, Schwarzenegger? I warn yeah. you, Sully, this is my weak arm. Oh, God. Come on. There we go. She's some 80s one-liners. <laughs> um, I would say the one thing that you could add somebody, if they had the same problem as Jared in that particular type system would be to use add your mute your video dude um would be to um write out like an ad lib oh a, a mad lib yeah mad lib ad lib whatever like one of the, yeah mad lib where you write out the sentence and leave the blanks and they they write that in so you're already giving them like the format of the what's well, like the bonds from Dungeon World, right? Yes, it is like. Tell me about yeah. World. You take the bond thing, flip it to how you gain. Ex- I will gain experience by doing what? Right. Oh yeah. Shit, dude, I mean, you that's could cool. leave I like that. a little more open than maybe just a couple blanks um, to, to 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 give them. Now the trick thing is is that you're only doing it to maybe one player. So does that mean you have to do it to all the other ones? Or maybe you're just like, hey, I'm going to help you out with this because I think it'll just uh, contribute to the game. So I did a little bit of work for you. Here's like three, four, five, whatever. In order to advance, here are some of the things you may want to fill in the blanks for. And sometimes you don't even have to single that character out. You can say, hey, I was thinking about this. I know we're all working on it. I thought of some ideas. Like if you ever get stuck, here's three examples I have. You know, fill in the blank examples. 
I'll email them out to you guys. Use them if you want to type of thing. So, Or you could call them out and say, look, you're driving me crazy. Yeah, you, Sean. You, yeah, Sean. Get on the goddamn wagon here, pal. If there was a person named Sean in your group, you would say, Sean. Yeah, the, you, you're, you would. You're, you're kind of pissing me off. And it'd be ama- you'd be amazed at how many times you had to say that if you had a Sean in your group. It'd be crazy. <laughs> it's it's amazing the number of times that specific sentence has to come up. <laughs> it's true. Uh, all right. I think that's all it. Right. And that's not fair to all the rest of the Seans that listen to the show. That's true. I'm positive all- the rest of you are solid and decent upstanding folks. That's true. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. Thanks Absolutely. for all the well wishes. Yeah. Thanks for... So, before we go into, well, we'll go into this in a second. Okay, remind me if I forget. I Let's will. get into die roll. Die roll. All right. Die roll. Yeah, Brett. So I've got two of them this time. Just little, um, little notes I thought would make some. I mean, it's the, as Ken Height would say, start with Earth. So a Mexican earthquake led to a discovery of an ancient temple. So no one knew this thing was there, apparently, and hey, earthquake happens. Holy shit, there's an ancient temple there. It is cliche D&D land, right? Oh, my God, ancient earthquake, and therefore the Lich King pops up or whatever you want to do. But just one of those cool things that (laughs) you take this and you can have it fit directly into your Delta Green game or your Call of Cthulhu game or whatever the case is. So just kind of cool throwing that out there for your folks like that. The other one, in the spirit of crazy-ass underground things, there was a man who spent 23 years carving a sprawling underground temple beneath his own home. Link in the show notes to that. Apparently his children are not interested in carrying on his legacy. But they've got some pictures and some other things on this website in the link. It's kind of crazy that this dude did this. And it is not like nasty dirt temple. It looks like something Templars would have made. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. So take a look at it. Link in the show notes. I thought it would be kind of fun to look at. Sean, over to you, sir. I'm thinking to myself, I'm pretty limited on square footage. Down. And I'm Go in a down. condo. I'm in a townhouse. How much room I got underneath this place? Only one way to find out. It's not It's not too late. Get the spoons. Let's go. Spoons. <laughs> spoons. Every, every garbage day, I have a garbage bin full of dirt. <laughs> exactly. What what that's about, says the garbage man. Oh, well, just a weirdo. Do, 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 do. <laughs> all right, Forgotten Realms Archive for all your fr need. Forgotten Realms need. It's on the Watsi site. Uh, somebody online pointed this out, uh, and I would give them credit, but that would be silly. Um, I can't remember who it is. Somebody in our Twitter feed. I don't think they listen to the show, but anyways, if you are running games and within the forgotten realms or you're looking i mean all the stuff kind of canon wise up to this point for 5e is set in the forgotten realms and you're wanting more information that is then is provided in the dmg or player's handbook we'll have a link to the show in the show notes to this archive for example from october 25th back in 2006 ed greenwood has a body found in chimney it's a small article in Waterdeep, a mummified body of a man was discovered yesterday in the kitchen chimney of Nothaven, the empty sea ward mansion built by Tunavar Tombstone Noth, wealthy importer and vendor of waist scales and measuring ribbons. That right there, like, huh? That's a that's a cool little uh, adventure hook. 
couple of those. Maps? Now, Holy crap. Good looking stuff out there. On the same page, there are yearly archives, brand archives, and article categories. So if you go to brand archives Eberron. and you're an Eberron fan, you can click on that and you can come up with the 50 most recent Eberron articles. Um, there's even uh, the categories under the Eberron, which is Dragon Shards, Eberron Expanded, Mark of Heroes, Sharn Inquisitive, Steal This Hook. Yeah, it's all 3.5 D&D archive. Wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah, so it'll come in really handy if you want to get back into that stuff. Well, hot damn. That's a good find, man. There you go. Come across the golden one every once in a while. Uh, secondly, Monty Cook Games. Um, cookie Monster. The cookie, the one and only. The, the cookie. Uh, announces your best game ever. Coming to Kickstarter. So if you're not familiar with this announcement, it's not a it's not a game. It's not going to be a book with adventures, spells, creatures, or magic items. No siree, Brett. It's going to be... It's not even a book for characters at all, but for... Players, if you play or run role-playing games, then this is going to be the book for you. A gorgeous hardcover, suitable for your coffee table or your gaming table. Advice and suggestions for enhancing enhancing your RPG experience at the table and away from it. We will be reaching out to Monty and letting him know that we are indeed available to contribute to this tome. Where we will probably get punched in the face. Just like last time I met him. That's right. He he's he's scrappy. He's he doesn't look it, but he's scrappy. That's right. So uh we'll link that to the announcement. I don't it doesn't state when the Kickstarter will be coming. Um so you'll have to tune in to Monty Cook Games for that to occur, but um huh. yeah. Monty's been around. I guess he. I guess he knows how to run a game. It would seem so. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. N- new kid. What are you gonna do? I know, right? <laughs> hey, Monty. Thanks for thanks for joining the ranks, buddy. <laughs> All right. Last up, Kevin Thulu, uh, regular listener, friend of the show, and friend of ours, it pointed out a, uh, a little article to speak again on the on my earlier topic of things buried. A massive black sarcophagus was unearthed in Egypt, and people weren't quite sure what's inside of it. And if you're a uh, Call of Cthulhu fan, the first thing you think of is masks of Renolthotep, um, or any other number of horrible things that could be buried underneath Egypt in a massive black sarcophagus. So, again, a little bit of an adventure seed for you, so take a look at that. Sean, you wanted me to remind you of something. What was I, I supposed to remind you of? I think we should take a moment to... to convey whatever thoughts we have because it is our 200th episode we didn't do anything super special we didn't enlist anybody to to say anything special we didn't go back and pull the best one-liners out of our previous 200 shows there'd be so many that's why it's just wow the people would be like man this shit's like old (laughs) yeah they'd be like that's not funny that was funny three years ago you idiots That was funny yeah. 75 episodes ago. Yes. But, well, I, I, Brett, I mean, I will I will say a few things, and then I will turn it over to Brett so that he, because I'm putting him on the spot. We didn't prepare anything for this little piece I've come up with um, that we wanted to convey. But 
I guess in my So we have met so many good and interesting people um, where we were just, we started out as just somebody that happened to come across us for whatever reason, whether they heard us from misdirected Mark, who really did give us a, a kick in the pants and get us some subscribers right out of the gate. Um, and if you're not listening to them, by all means, go over and do so or, or what it is. But, you know, we've run into people at, They've come from miles to, to the game hole con and conventions to see us. Um, they've driven up to meet us. You know, they've given us money. They've wanted us to pick them up at airports. Um, and some of you have become very good friends of Brett and I. And we hope that you're all friends of ours. We just have maybe not met you yet face to face. And that's okay. But... Despite all the joking and kidding and the, the goofiness um, that Brett and I put on every every week, we really appreciate you giving us your time to listen to two middle-aged white dudes in Midwestern Wisconsin that sometimes don't know what the hell they're talking about, and sometimes we talk in circles, but the... Random encounters, uh, the folks that don't write in, that are still there and listening, stuck with us for all this time. For those of you that are discovering us for the first time, um, thank you. I mean, it's really humbling to have friends that come and listen to us and engage in the show and actually, um, I guess for lack of better words, put up with us on a weekly basis. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We don't know how to pay you back. Um, once we hit the jackpot, um, I think we'll have a reverse Kickstarter where we'll take all the money we get from the lottery and, uh, we'll, we'll bid on who to give it to. That'd be a damn uh, one, good idea. <laughs> one by one. Um, Hey, you've been with us the longest. You get $10 reward <laughs> level back to you. Um, but I, I don't sometimes we I would say when I'm talking about this particular thing about the community and you know this this component of what I'm trying to convey this is really where I become speechless and um, don't know how to articulate very well at all so I just want to say thank you really from the bottom of my personal heart for all your support um, just listening is support enough telling other people if you've done that, thank you so much. Um, we hope that someday we, we're so huge and popular that we can just have everybody in the same room together and we all run games together and we just have a good old time. Uh, but for now, the show is, is good enough, I think, uh, as good a format as any for that. That's pretty well said, dude. I, I mean, from my side, it's incredibly humbling, as you said, to think when you know people <clears throat> run into us at Gary Con or even at Evercon, and uh, one of our listeners came up and said, "Hey, I'm here because I listened to your show and I really want to come out and support your and support your little gaming convention." And they had a great time. It was really really cool, and it's very very flattering when anybody comes up and you see them wearing a gaming BS T-shirt or they or I got stopped at Origins two years ago when I was there. 
and uh, by a woman named Ange, not 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 Angela, a different Ange. And uh, she said, hey, I'm Ange, not the famous one, but I also listen to you. And it's just really cool to <clears throat> to meet you. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Here's a pin. I happen to have some on me. And she was all, like, flustered that, oh, my God, you're giving me a pin. And I'm like, you listen to us. This is amazing. This is so cool. And uh, Sean and I like to do this, and we're having fun. And part of the reason we, we say, well, as long as it's still fun, we're going to keep doing it. And frankly, I think <clears throat> if all the patrons, if everybody said, look, we can't, we can't afford to give you any money, we're like, all right, that's fine. We're still going to do it. We're having fun. The thing that feeds us the most is the interaction and the feedback. I look in our Google Plus community, <coughs> excuse me, even our Facebook page. I've got uh, my Facebook account. I'm not nearly as active on as I ought to be. But in, in G Plus, I look at our community, the people that are talking in there that are bringing up different things and the people that I bump into at conventions that are kind of in and around our banner and, you know, the, the Venn diagram that's us and Hobbs and Misdirected Mark and stuff. There's some really great fucking people. I mean, they're good gamers. They, they're open. They're welcome. They're inviting. They're just very, very friendly people. Incredibly genuine people. And that's the coolest part about all this. I, I hear a lot. We want to have more good people in our hobby. And uh, I've yet to bump into any listener who's that we've met in person it's written us and it's interacted with us in any way that I would not be more than happy to have at my gaming table at any time. Every one of you that that has interacted with us, and I'm positive anybody else who's continued to listen to us for this long, you people are awesome. And um, and I, as Sean said, it is kind of takes the words away. It's it's really really amazing to have people say super nice things, very very flattering things about how we've helped them do stuff, and. Um, We've had people talk to us privately outside of here and um, say some very amazing kind of heart-wrenching things about, hey, you really helped me get back into gaming, or this was a really cool thing. And that was a tough topic for me, but I really appreciate that you took it on. And we didn't think anything of it because we're just who we are and just trying to have fun. Um, so, yeah, it's this is amazing. It really is. Uh, when Sean and I started doing this, just bullshitting about gaming over lunch um, back when we worked together a couple of jobs ago, um, yeah, I didn't, Sean said, Hey, we should do this and post it up. I'm like, no one's gonna listen to us. He's like, ah, who fucking cares? We like it. Let's just have fun doing it. Cause you and I are friends. So let's just keep talking. So here we are. So yeah, thank you. Thank you all very, very much. And I mean that as Sean said from the bottom of my heart as well, it's, it's amazing and it's an incredibly humbling experience. So I really, I really hope we can live up to that and keep it fun for you all and that you all still still listen and continue to interact with us. The interaction is the piece that is not only feeds us, but I think lets us know that we're on the right track. We're doing the right thing. We're making it fun for y'all because you want to talk to us. So that's just awesome. And we, I find it to be fun and enjoyable. I mean, I could have a bad day at work and Brett will say, do you still want to do the show? Do you want to record? And most of the times... I will say yes, just because I know once we're on the mics, a lot of that other bullshit will go away. It's like a game table, man. When you sit down at the it game is. table for yeah. for the re, one of the coolest parts about gaming is when you're in it. You're like, what about that thing your your spouse did, or the dog shit on the floor, or that cat threw up hairballs? You're like, you know what? I don't care right now. I'm killing orcs. I really right. don't care right now. I'm hunting Dracula. I'm uncovering some ancient forgotten tomb on City Alpha Five. I, I'm here. I don't care about that. And uh, this is kind of that moment 
for Sean on a weekly basis, which I really, I really cherish. So it's, it's been pretty cool. So Sean, for me to you, man, thank you for talking yeah. me into doing this. I really appreciate like, you did this. Likewise, man. Likewise. Uh, we, we couldn't do it without each other. What, what, what the hell's a B show? <laughs> B. <laughs> or the S show. That one, that's even worse. Gaming and B. Gaming and S. Just doesn't make sense. No, no, no sense at Ga- all. Gaming and S. No, can't. No, wouldn't work. Um, Be- but. Peanut butter and chocolate, man. Got to have it's it. It's just the way that, we, yeah. PB and J, Bob. <laughs> PB and J. Uh, but, you know, we get support from others. We, you know, and, and at the same time, there's times Brett and I have talked to each other and said, hey, man, you know, should we hang this sucker up? Yeah, no, we've had that conversation when yep. we're like, are we done? Sometimes it's, I'm struggling for a topic for the week. And I'm like, I'm like Brett, you better dig shit out of your ass, I man. Cause I don't want to talk. Wanna put us on another 200. <laughs> I don't know what to talk about. Am I even, are we picking the right things? Do people even give a shit about this anymore? And then we'll sit down and Sean's like, it's cool, man. It's cool. Or I'll say it's fine. And then you start looking at the listener feedback. You check a couple emails, you check the Twitter feed. And you're like, nope, nope, people, um. We still have friends who care about us. That's really cool. Well, and, and you know, like the Sooner fan mentioned, you know, I'm starting back up. I listen to your show. I'm getting newbies in. I mean, that stuff helps us go, oh, somebody's not only listening, but they're moving forward with something. They're doing something good. And if we played a little bit of a part of that, um, and keep in mind, Sooner fan, it's all you. Like, the, you know, we may have helped, like, just kind of, like, you listening to us. But in the end, you're getting up and making that happen, which is great. But that's that feedback really helps us go. And, frankly, if there's any message that I want to sum this up with is if you know people that are creating stuff, um, whether they're games and you buy them or they're just, you know, podcasts that you devour outside of gaming and BS, let them know that you listen, that you purchase that you appreciate the work they put into that stuff because there's a lot of people that feel as though they work in a vacuum. Although many will get, you know, hey, I put out a product and I know that people are buying it because I get I see the sale. But they don't they may not know who you are. They may not know what you think of their stuff. And it doesn't take a five star review to go to drive through RPG and write up a big paragraph about what you think of their product. Find them on Twitter Find them on their blog, you know, what it, something very, very simple and just say, hey, I appreciate the work that you've done. Thank you so much. You know, I like it. I like what you do. I like the work you've done. I bought this. Take a picture with their product. Put it online, whatever it is, um, and, and acknowledge them because some of these folks struggle day to day to come up with this stuff. And your, your little comment, your little hey Man, I'm telling you, that will light a fire under their ass, and it'll keep them going. Oh, absolutely! Like we it just really like will. we just said that that keeps Sean and I going a lot. And I, I said this before, and I know Sean is too, and we absolutely mean it, folks. Is that the feedback we get from you when you guys come in and say, "Brett, I don't agree." Hey, Sean, I agree, which is, again is very rare. But when <clears throat> when people agree with one of us or disagree with us both, the thoughts. The, the even the the short note that says you know I just don't buy that I've tried that it didn't work I ran into this problem I believe uh, in in all honesty I believe I become a better GM and a better player through doing this show because of the men and women that listen to the show that interact with us and give us this feedback and so on I believe 
that I'm a better gamer because of you all. So thank you all very much for that. I really appreciate it. And I think with that, we'll sign off. Okay. I'm, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all.